Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com, use promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 right back off your first order. Coming up on today's episode, a lot of PR 101 for Eugene Melnick. He's at it again. We mentioned the Rick Gibbons article talking of the financial stress of the breakup between the Sens Foundation and the Ottawa Senators. Well, it's about to get a lot deeper than that. We get into it. We also wish farewell to the king of content for the Senators. Touch on an anniversary of a championship. And we get back to our Sens Central draft prospect rankings with number 15. I'll leave it a surprise. All that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. Your team every day. Today is Monday, June 8th, and Pilsy, I'm pissed. I'm upset. I mean, like, here we go again, guys. Just when you thought it couldn't get any worse. You, like... Can it get worse than it's got right now? We, I think we've labeled rock bottom on this podcast three or four times, but this has got to be the one. This has to be it. So it came out today. Rick Gibbons, who's been all over this story, his latest saying Melnick's tussle with the Sens Foundation could be a messy one. Oh, my goodness. It's off the heels of Anthony LeBlanc, the Sens' new business president, saying one of the reasons is they wanted more of the money going to charity. That's you know, that they they pick up. It makes sense, right? We mentioned the last episode that there was that charity intelligence report that gave the Sens um, a pretty bad grade. Although, he's asking, he's saying 70 to 80%, which is near impossible. Think about the 50-50, like it's deemed to be an expense, right? Well, then it comes out that Melnick's organ project, they... Oh my God, this actually makes me so mad. They nearly raised a million dollars in 2018 and 5,000 went to charity. Chris Parliament's with us as well. Whole crew's here. I didn't mention that off the top. Parley, what was your initial reaction when you saw that? This is the type of stuff that makes you sick to your stomach. It's a one percenter. Uh, we don't swear on this podcast, it's so actually I won't a, say it. It's actually a 0.49% if you're talking about how much money they got versus what went to charity. <laughs> I mean, this guy... He just has zero moral compass. I, I don't know how else to say it. It just has come and gone and come and gone. And it it's it's to a boiling point now where he's he's backstabbing charities. And it it's such a good thing in a time where you want some positive light on your franchise. It's just another dark, dark cloud, boys. This one is this one's hard to believe. And here's the worst part about it all. Like, I don't, I don't know how I'm getting into a conversation about how che- stealing from a charity is the worst part. But when it's through your own business's charity who didn't want to do the, uh, well, not didn't want to, but were more focused on supporting the community and then said, sure, you know what? We understand that uh, organ donations are very important to you. And we'll we'll do some more of that. So Melnick set up his pro his organ donor charity, and then the cause that's most important to him, he does this with. 
I mean, $5,000 of nearly a million dollars in funds raised. The, the fact that that's all that happened is, you know, how does he sleep at night knowing he set this charity up to raise awareness about something that's really important to him. And then he just goes and takes away from that awareness. He's supposedly trying to raise, like it's just mind boggling. And I don't know how, how he could think that this wouldn't get caught, especially with all the red flags. When you're looking at tax uh, implications, when you see these numbers that are available and that have been reported, like guys, where does he go from here? I'll just hit the numbers quick before you jump in, Parley, and um, the balance sheet that they listed. So the Oregon Project, it shut down last year. They promised to relaunch this spring. Well, guys. And they still owe money. Guys, it's June 9th, June 8th, whatever we're recording on, and they promised to relaunch this spring. It hasn't happened. The Toronto office is closed. There's nobody left on the payroll, and here's their balance sheets. $201,378 in assets. 391,655 in liabilities and that includes a $224,902 unpaid debt to someone with a non-arms length relationship. I mean, if that doesn't get the tax man fired up, I don't know what does. The fact that you know, we we have some some stuff prepared here for you guys for the show and you click a couple links and it takes you to Twitter and you actually see that hashtag Melnick out is trending in Canada. Yeah, that, it is. That, that's unbelievable. I mean, for a time where there are so many things happening in the world right now, so many negative things that this comes out and tops those to trend in Canada. It's, it's an embarrassing time for the senators. Another yeah, it- embarrassing time. Well, so as embarrassing as it is, and I think there's so much more to, to dive into in this, it's, Ah oh, man, we we said it last time. This isn't what we signed up for. <laughs> Starting a hockey podcast, we're here talking about charities. The one amendment that was made to the article, uh, if somebody had read the the earlier version, initially it said that a hundred thousand dollars was put from the Sense Foundation into the Oregon Project, which would have been a absolutely uh, breaking the law, considering how much of it actually went to charity. Turns out the Sense Foundation had a final thought that yeah, maybe this isn't a good idea. So they ultimately were prepared to donate that money, but never did. So that's an important uh, amendment, but still uh, it doesn't take the slime off of anything, but you know what does make it a bit more of a lighthearted situation just shows that Sens fans really are the best. They're dying to support a team dying and they're willing to pay for it to the tune of over $10,000 to the other Oregon donation uh, Trillium in Ontario and Trillium must have been overwhelmed today and what an initiative by Graham Nichols from Sixth Sense um, I probably butchered the Sixth Sense that's actually harder to say, say than, yeah, a little uh, than bit it of a should be twister. Yeah, a little has, bit but it's hey, not a negative put, thing you probably don't know how to say it in this podcast <laughs> he, put, uh, he put the word out this morning saying I bet you the Sens fans could raise that $5,000 that Melnick's entire charity donated with all that overhead cost, $700,000 in fundraising, two hundred and fifty dollars in management fees. Well, Graham Nichols said, you know what? Sens fans, they can raise that with no overhead, $0 of overhead. Here's the link. Well, because of the internet, and I hate it for what you want, especially Twitter, but there is some good out of it. As I mentioned, it is now over $10,000 
dollars. Like, Pillsy, how much does that speak to the fact that the send, like the city of Ottawa, they're just dying to spend their money on good causes and their teams? It, it shows you right away. I mean, this is a collection of fans. I mean, some of these people that donated, Ross, aren't even Sens fans. Some of these people are Leafs fans, and they're donating to this cause Obviously, because like let's let's not shy away from the issue. Organ donors are very much in need, and it is a great cause, despite um, all this kind of cloudiness over Melnick's organ donor charity. But it just goes to show you that, like you said, there's a community here that is willing to support good things and good people, and we've seen it when I don't even remember how long ago it seems like forever ago. But when there weren't all these scandals and all these bad PR issues with the team. They sold out uh, the arena. You know, the, the fundraising events did really well. Kids were coming to games. Kids were becoming Sens fans. But now, how can you possibly, you know, decide to try to get your kid to be a Senators fan when the face, the whole owner of the organization is doing something like this and it doesn't seem to get any better? It's only getting worse. So shout out to Graham Nichols for uh, starting this great cause. Uh, we donated uh, to the cause. I donated to the cause. And for it to take one morning of Sens fans on Twitter donating and zero overhead costs over versus Melnick, who had almost a million dollars in funds and only donated 5000 it's embarrassing. But shout out Sens fans, some of the best in the league. We got to love it. And hopefully... More good things come from Senators fans getting together and not Melnick doing the wrong thing here. You know what? Since we've started this, I've gained even more of an appreciation of Senators fans on Twitter because there's, through the tough times, there's always been humor. There's always been something you can laugh at. There's some really good accounts by some really good broadcasters out there, writers, all these things. Obviously, six or six sends i did it too ross it is tough i mean there's good people out there that just want to see quality hockey it it's gotten to a point where the man at the top the man at the helm the guy behind the steering wheel has uh has ruined a lot but it's it's given sense twitter a lot of content over the years to put it lightly um yeah to see everybody come together in a time that I mean, if you are if you haven't been humbled since the calendar change this year, I don't know what world you're living in. Uh, I guess Eugene Melnick isn't part of that world, but we certainly all are, and it's a it's a good feeling to be a part of that. As you mentioned, Pillar, all of us chipping in there, and uh, we just want to be like you guys, supporting a good cause that unfortunately turned sour. Yeah, it really is, and it it is good to see Sens fans come together, and I think with that. I mean, there's like I said, there's so many layers to this onion, and uh, this story is uh, far, far from over. And you look, you look at how willing. And I, I know I mentioned this in my last um, statement, but how about you look back? Remember those Melnick out campaign, the billboards for it? Yeah, they raised they raised eight thousand five hundred dollars for that. Yeah. Like, they, there more money went into a billboard than it went for an entire charitable and guess what? organization. And guess what? It didn't take seven hundred grand to do it, and two hundred fifty more grand to manage it. Yeah, unreal, embarrassing, unreal. unreal. All right, as we move on, we do have to say, speaking of the content, we're going to save it for segments. But uh, the Sens lost another uh, very important cog in uh, in their army. But first, if you're going to be in the army or you want to just get a little stronger, well, what do you need? You need Built Bars because they are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 
and they are there to help you recover after a strong workout. They've got 16 amazing flavors, so if you're picky, don't worry about it. They're 100% covered in chocolate, hence the candy bar aspect. But they're soft, they're easy to chew, still great for the health-conscious guy, though. You can lose, maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Sounds like a winning formula to me. Think about just a peanut butter brownie with 20 grams of protein. Oh, man, I could go for one right now. You know what? I think I'm going to grab one. Um, Pilsy, you finished the ad. I got to eat this built Bar. Yeah, Ross, I just wanted to add something in real quick here. Uh, you were out doing a bike ride. You, desi- you decided to bring your built Bar with you. Great choice for some protein after a long bike ride. But... Ross, what you could have done to keep that built Bar nice and cool and fresh, it's a hot summer day, maybe that chocolate's not lasting too well in your backpack or your pocket while you're riding around, how about a built Bar travel cooler? You can wow. fit two built Bars in here, it comes with a little cooler pack, it's like a tiny little pencil case, so you get all that protein packed in there, keep it cold, keep it fresh so that uh, you don't have to wait till you're all the way home to enjoy your built Bar, so that's something, Ross, I can see you investing in for sure. Well, yeah, and be a hero, right? You you have to, I know Parley is definitely the kind of guy when he has built bars he wants to share them. Oh, you definitely have to. I mean, you're getting this kind of protein with this kind of taste. It's just an unbelievable match that you want your friends to experience as well. Boys, you know that I like a good cold beer. How about a good cold protein bar? You know what? Go to builtbar.com, put in locked on. You can have a beer on us and have a cold protein bar. There you yeah. go. Think about it. If you want to share them as well, they come in packs of 16. So if you get $10 off, then your buddy buys them. He gets $10 off. Then your buddy buys them. He uses promo code locked on at builtbar.com. And then he gets $10 off. If you get 10 buddies, you can put all your money together and you've got $100 there. How's that for some math? All right, let's get to some segments now. The anniversary, but it wasn't as happy as it could have been. It was the 2011 day of, it was, I think, yesterday, maybe the day before, where the Binghamton Senators won the Calder Cup. But when you saw that picture, wasn't the first thing you thought of the Belleville Senators? Yeah, it's it's hard not to confuse it. I mean, they both start with B, but the first thing I thought when I saw that picture is, how god-awful are those uniforms back in the day? I mean, that Centurion is just terrible. And then the color combos, I don't know. They It just didn't really work. But you know what looked good about that? How about rookie goaltender Robin Leonard winning the playoff MVP with some crazy numbers here. 14-4 and record in 19 games. 2.10 goals against average. 0.939 save percentage. Like... That's when he knew Robin Leonard was uh, definitely a better goalie than a lot of people thought, and he showed it. So 2011, that was a good year for Bingo, and man, does it hurt knowing they couldn't get 2020 in Belleville. Hey, there's a couple guys on that roster, too, who deserve some respect. How about Casper's Dogovan yeah. just, just being a complete animal out there? And there was some NHL time. If you saw the photo hiding in the back, the only guy in these Sens organizations still from there, Mark Borvietsky was on that team too. How about how about that as a uh, a throwback too? Respect Boro. Honestly, I think a lot of people look at the Calder Cup as like, eh, that's a professional hockey championship. You better put some respect on the name. Those guys grinded through it, and that's a that's a season where you're looking at like some four and fives. 
Like that is not a forgiving schedule. That's a grind. Uh, another guy that I wanted to give a little respect to was uh, Eric Condra. I loved him as as a two way guy. He didn't get much time in the National League level, but another guy that can say, "Hey, I got a professional ring." Yeah, he definitely does. He's actually still playing with uh, with Texas. But if yeah. you look back to it, something else that I thought was kind of neat is that was the year that Mike Hoffman he he played in in the queue. And then came to um, came to Bell or Binghamton, not Belleville, uh, just for the playoffs. He only had one goal and eight assists in in sixteen games, but I thought that was interesting. Ryan Petulny uh, actually led the uh, Bingo with twenty six points, uh, fourteen goals too in twenty three games. So um, the top end scores though littered with sends like Ryan Petolny, Ryan Keller is right there, Casper's Dogman, Zach Smith too. And then yep. also in the top 10, Andre Benoit, and then everyone's favorite, Bobby Butler. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> lots of good throwback names on there. Uh, we tried to get uh, Eric Greib on, still haven't heard back, so I don't think that's going to happen, but all good. Um, another segment we've got, uh, this one actually kind of hurts. I mentioned it a bit earlier, but... Craig Medaglia has put in his two weeks notice. We tried to make it work. He just didn't want to be here. No, no. That's what you heard for Alfie. That's what you heard for Stone. That's what you heard for Carlson. That's what you heard for Pajot. Uh, am I missing anybody else? Uh, well, Craig Medaglia. The Suns Foundation. Oh, right. Yeah. Actually, though. Um, <laughs> uh, so Craig has put in his two weeks. He left us with a ton of content. Of course, there's the fame tweet after the first period against Boston in that 2017 playoff when Boston was the Corsi champions going in um, to that series. They didn't get a shot in the second period. So they tweeted saying, could someone in the analytics community please tell me if that is good? Um, so we put out on Twitter and um, I want to give credit where it's due here for, uh, I think, who was it that answered back with the Shabbat video? That was that would have been mine. That was, a that good was awesome. That was Paul Perry. Uh, wrote into us at Send Central on Twitter uh, when when Shabbat had his uh, contract renewed. Was that from Spider Man? Yeah, that's Toby McGuire uh, walking down the street. Yeah, yeah. So that's awesome. He left us with so much good content, and between him and Woods Goods, I forget his his name, but the video editor for the Sens, like those are two huge holes uh, for for the the organization to fill. And I mean, in a time where the Senators' PR has just made failure after failure and the team is going through rebuilding years and the on-ice performance isn't what you want, the social media has always been on point. I mean, there I can't think of too many off the top of my head. I'd have to go digging, but... There were so many ones where you, you were just like, you know what, that lightens the mood. Like, like it's so on brand for what they were doing social media wise. So I don't know what the Sens are going to do because they can't keep crumbling and losing any good pieces of this organization like it seems keeps happening because the replacements never seem to work out. So sad to see Craig go, but I mean, it's hard to blame him with uh, th- that could be a tough job trying to represent uh, the senators in a positive light at all times and trying to keep things light and funny. So good on him for uh, doing a great job so far and uh, best of luck going ahead. Yeah. Well said, Pilsy. I think we can leave it uh, at that for now, because as people leave the organization, well, the Sens are about to introduce a boatload of new prospects. And with so many picks in the first round, we've been going through our Sens Central draft rankings all the way down from 50. And today we land on number 15 on our rankings, Connor Zeri out of the Kamloops Blazers. 
the skilled center parley. What do you got on Mr. Zary? So you guys know I love good player comparables. Right so I away. A, <laughs> yeah, I got a couple for you here. And I'm thinking back to another podcast here because podcasters got to support podcasters. And this one, the spit and chicklets, who doesn't need my support because they're gigantic. But I remember when Sidney Crosby was sitting on the couch in Nova Scotia talking to the boys. And he said, you know what? I need type these types of players to go out there and play with me because they're huge in the game. I'm not going to mention the one because Senators fans will smite me on Twitter. But the other one was Pascal Dupuis. And that's going to be my player comparable for this guy because over the course of the game, he can play with speed, he can play with skill, but no matter what, he's going to compete. And that word keeps coming up from a lot of the scouts that I see about this kid. So he's not going to wow you. He's not going to pull you out of your seat, as one of the scouts says here, but he's going to have an impact on the game over 60 minutes. So, as Sidney Crosby said, Pascal Dupuis would go out there. If you need 18 minutes of him just getting the puck deep and chasing it down, he's going to do that to the best of his capabilities. But if you're going to set him up in the slot three times in a game, he's also going to do the best in his capability to make the most out of that. He's just going to try and impact the game. He's a competitor. He's fast. He's willing to put the puck on net, but he's also skilled enough to keep up with that part of the game. So he can play with really skilled players, but in a role that allows you to play him up and down the lineup. Yeah, up and down the lineup, I think, projects at the next level, but he lit it up this year in Kamloops. He was fifth fifth in the entire WHL in points with 86 in 57 games. It's impressive, and that's another thing, too, like, you you look at players like this and they project high as he has here 15th on our rankings because he's able to put the puck in the net and he's able to produce points. But what I like about that is another guy that I guess we can make comparison to as well is Connor Brown. Put up huge amounts of points in junior, but he understands the game where he's not going to disappear when he's not producing. You know what I mean? So do you think he's more fit to be a winger at the next level? I would project that, yeah. Um, I mean, you look at a guy like Shane Pinto, where you're projecting with the next level, and you say, yeah, that guy's a centerman because his face-off percentage is way off the charts. But if you look at this guy, I mean, he he just understands the game where the move to the wing with a guy with the IQ like this, the compete like this, you feel like you would pick it up right away sort of thing. Uh, I'd, I, I don't see anything out of here that really... Uh, boasts a great centerman in the future, but I see just a good hockey player in the future. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a lot of the the reports that are coming from scouts is he's got a great overall game, you know, like a solid, um, strong hockey IQ. He's a decent skater, can penalty kill, two-way game, all that. A couple things I noticed from the highlights I watched is when he scores, he's often beating the goalies cleanly. Like, the goalie's not even getting a piece of it. Which, like, and if you watch some of the highlights where you can see where uh, Zary's eyes are on the goalie, you can see he's looking for those holes. And then he finds them. Like, that's so crucial for coming up the wing in a bad angle shot, squeezing one through the legs or something like that. And then, similar... He's really good at passing. He's so patient with the puck, and he has no problem hitting his teammates with a perfect cross-ice pass for seamless one-timers. Like, he was just teeing guys up while in motion. So I think he can do a lot of things right for a team, but if you're a team 
where you maybe only have one first round pick, you might not go for this guy because he's not a home run kind of guy. You know, it's a much safer pick. He'll probably get into the NHL after a year or two of development, but he's not going to wow you. Like a lot of scouts say, there's not one thing about his game that just blows you off the charts. So I think he's going to end up being a good two-way player. And yeah, like you guys said, I could definitely see him moving to the wing and having success there. We put a lot of stock into what Scott Wheeler says from The Athletic on this podcast. And then on November 4th, he said this, is he going to be a star at the next level? I doubt it. Does he have the tools to be a versatile, playmaking, second-line center on a good team if he continues to progress? Absolutely. In the first round, in the middle of the first round, like you said, Pillar, if you're a team with one pick or a team with three picks, you can spare one. This is a guy that's going to be a player that you see in your organization projecting in the middle six. That's worth taking a bet on. Definitely. Maybe not for the Sens, though, as they have players like that, Josh Norris and Shane Pinto, come to mind if it's down the middle. Um, I don't know if he's really going to be in that range for the Sens. Seems like he's more in between the 10 to 15 range, and that might be where the gap is in Sens picks. Of course, there is some, still some shuffling as we are um, now 17 days, if you're listening to this, on, um, on the 9th, um, away from the draft lottery. And with that, we've been doing our one spin each since January 7th. So far, the number five spot has been the most common landing spot. Can that change today? Well, we're about to find out. I'm going to be selfish and go first here. And mm, didn't really pay off. Um, this is not great. Buffalo drafts first. No surprise there always. But they did move up six spots. Montreal gets the second uh, overall pick oh, in, in this man. one. Yeah, yeah, they finally get their center. Um, that's tough. That's tough. Ottawa does draft third and fifth, though. So there is still a third Who's fourth? Pick. Who's fourth? Um, who do we have fourth? Detroit. That is in one division. Yeah. That is yeah. wild. Th- that would be the top five picks all in the same division. And how? And it's so funny because you can literally like sit down and make an educated argument that the Atlantic division is the toughest division in hockey, yet the top five picks are going to the Atlantic. Yeah. I think that's probably like worst case scenario, eh, guys? If the Sens oh, yeah. aren't getting first or second pick, uh, teams in the division are getting it. Like, you, you don't want to be rebuilding at the same time as other teams. Otherwise, you got to make sure you're developing and getting those assets uh, ready sooner. So, yeah, I'd like to see. I'd like to see LA win it if it's not Ottawa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the one argument you can make is like the Senators obviously have a really deep farm system right now. But you look at a team like Buffalo. Jack Eichel is obviously pissed, and he's got a he's a man on a mission right now to make the playoffs. But he's also got some skill behind him, like Rasmus Stalin. Like imagine picking a guy better than him to build a blue line around, sort of thing. Like. That's the other team that's kind of right there on the cusp. The Habs, forget about it. Sweet Pete Pickett, Cock and Yemi. (laughs) (laughs) Sick vision. Uh, Pilsy, (laughs) give it a spin. Oh, God. Remember how I said yours was the worst spin ever? This is actually worse. First overall, Buffalo Sabres again. New Jersey second, LA third, Detroit fourth, and Ottawa with fifth and sixth. Sixth, come on. Oh, just Brutal. a couple of Swedes of that yeah. territory? I know it is. Yeah. I mean, could could be worse, right? Uh, <laughs> but I don't want to talk about that. Five and six, not great. All right, Parley. I'll resurrect the day. All right. The San Jose pick, number one overall. Perfect. And then, boys, you asked for it. 
Los Angeles, they'll bump up to number two. Detroit, you know what? You can have the third pick. We'll allow that after that horrific season. And then Ottawa picking at four again. So first and fourth, we can take that, gentlemen. Yeah, we sure can, especially like Jimmy Howard, just for what he put in this year. Like, what, 226 and two record? Um, yeah, they, they earned a top three pick. And if they pick first, you mentioned in the division, Detroit kind of, they're, they're immune from me hating on if they get first overall. I'll be the first. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll be the first to admit that. Um, just before we go, we got some breaking moves because by the time you hear this, mm. it is going to be way past it. But Graham Nichols just tweeted out, they're over $11,000 right now, um, which is just so impressive. And it's such like, it's so good to see them turn this this terrible, terrible news into something positive and I'm sure everyone at Trillium and everyone who's in need of an organ of course this won't get the organs people still need to sign up become a donor all that still very important but I mean the financial help it can't hurt right absolutely this is a uh, small bright spot in the time that it's needed and Ross uh, what was the overhead cost on all those donations zip zilch zero just a sweet internet connection thank you sense fans And thank you for listening, Sens fans. For Brandon Piller and Chris Parliament, I'm Ross Levitan. We'll be back on Wednesday. And then we've got a special guest, I think, coming on later in the week. But we'll get to all that then. We'll talk to you then. This has been the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day.